0: Welcome to The Bruce Siski Show. Follow The Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to The Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL.
1: 10-12, Tuesday morning, 9th of January, 2024. Good to have you with us. Brusiski show here on KDAL. UMD Women's Basketball Head Coach Mandy Pearson will be joining us uh, coming out of the news break about 10-35 as the Bulldogs have a single game this weekend, rivalry game against St. Cloud State in St. Cloud on Saturday afternoon. We'll talk about that and the Bulldogs season up to this point coming out of their holiday break this past weekend. But first, the Green Bay Packers with the youngest team in the national football league are in the playoffs i i know i'm just as surprised as you are and uh, joining us from the pack a day podcast our good friend andy herman good morning sir
2: hey good morning bruce thanks so much for having
1: me Uh, thanks for doing this on relatively short notice uh when i say the words the youngest team in the nfl's playoff bound uh, what's first thing pops into your head
2: uh, it's hard not to say Jordan Love. Um, I'm sure that's been discussed ad nauseum, and I'm sure we'll talk about him as well. But I think this 2023 draft class uh, has really been so incredibly impressive and has just been such a key to the Packers sort of making the run this year. It's really sort of an embarrassment of riches already with what Brian Gutekunst has been able to do. Um, you look at Lucas Van Asse, a player that they took in the first round, and he is still coming along and he's still developing, but he, we're starting to see more and more impact plays out of him, including a sack this week. They get a guy like Carl Brooks in, uh, what, this sixth round, and he is, again, he's been consistent all season long, awesome rotational defender. Luke Musgrave's just coming back from injury. He had a huge impact earlier this year. Tucker Craft looks like a legitimate tight end. You get Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks. You get Malik Keith and undrafted free agency. Anders Carlson's obviously had his ups and downs, but he's their primary kicker. Uh, you just go up and down this draft class, and the impact that they're getting not only from a playing time standpoint but the actual play on the field, too, for an entire, almost an entire rookie class to have that impact really incredible, and he deserves a ton of credit for what he did in this draft.
1: This might be a a question that, even if it gets answered, probably won't get answered until the run-up maybe of the 2024 draft. And I know Goody very, very rarely speaks to the media. Do we have any intel? It, It feels like the Packers have had their fair share of draft misses in Goody's tenure. Is there any kind of intel that they do things differently going into 2023 because they, they, they killed the third-round curse? They, it feels like they hit on a lot of these guys. And, and even the, you know a guy like Van Ness, who hasn't necessarily made a huge impact, has still made a, a notable impact in his rookie season at a tough position.
2: Yeah, it doesn't seem like it on the surface, and sometimes this is just the fickleness of the draft, and um, you know, trying to evaluate these players and decide who's going to become uh, good in a few years or just even immediately make that impact. So it's such a painstaking, difficult process to do every single year. Even even the best of the best experts, um, you know, can't hit it out of the park always, but. Uh, I do think that they continue to draft high-end athletes. I think they probably um, continue to look at this from a a very eagle-eyed scouting view as well. And I think the best teams that are evaluating talent are trying to find a way to mix and match by having this, you know, looking at some, of again, these super high-end athletes. We, we all see the relative athletic scores that uh, the Packers have every single year, but then taking that group of players that are those high-end athletes and really putting them through the ringer and trying to figure out, all right, which of these guys is actually going to be able to come in and help this team play? And I think the thing about having a process, and I've used this pretty much since Goody has got here, is that the more you stick to it, the more you're hoping that your results are going to pay off and that you might have A draft class that has some more misses than you're going to have hits, and that's going to happen. But if you do trust the process and you continue to go with it, time over time, you're hoping that the results are going to pay off for you in the end. Uh, We, I think, we see that right now with uh, obviously some previous draft picks like Jordan Love paying off huge. Uh, but a draft class like this, that is just like pick for pick, um, ever, almost every single one of them to a T is helping this team in some capacity.
1: Andy Herman Packaday podcast, our guest Jordan Love is at like seventy something percent completions over these last eight games. He's thrown eighteen touchdowns in one pick, and I know he's had the three fumbles, and and that one Sunday could have been very costly. The one against the Giants certainly was, uh, but the the improvement we've seen from him over the course of the season, it feels like this isn't just one thing, Andy. It feels like. It's a combination You know they've gotten they've gotten Aaron Jones back here. The running game has been steadied a bit. The offensive line, the protection, has continued to improve and become more consistent. And these young receivers have picked this up in a hurry.
2: Yeah, it's a combination of uh, multiple things, as you mentioned, but not just with the players around him, but with Jordan Love as well. I'll start with kind of the the direction that you were going in. I think the the coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, has really done a tremendous job in all these position groups. You look at the offensive line, I think Rashid Walker has taken one of the biggest steps of any player on this team over the course of the second half of the season. He looks like a legitimate, legitimate starting left tackle. I think the rotation between John Runyon Jr. and Sean Ryan has allowed both of those players to actually play better, I think, over the last month. John Runyon Jr. has been playing much better. I still am not sold on Josh Myers, but there have at least been a couple signs here and there of, uh, of improvements, even though I think it's still been a bit of a struggle for him. Uh, Elton Jenkins and Zach Tom continue to do their thing. So they've helped uh, that that process out a ton. The young wide receivers, you know, coming in off the practice squad, you know, even when guys like go down over the past few weeks, you know, Christian Watson's not playing, Dobbs misses a huge chunk of this game, Reed missed like a, a game and a half wicks missed a game It just it doesn't seem to matter it's like as long as they've got three or four of those guys in every single game doesn't seem to really matter which ones it is they all have great skill sets and green bay has really done a great job of utilizing all of those i, I can't say enough about john dunn and what he's done with that tight end room again if you want to talk about rasheed walk one of the best players that uh has improved over the course of the year you have to bring up tucker craft as well he looks night and day difference from coming into training camp to where he's at now And with three rookie tight ends in sims musgrave and craft the level that they're playing at for one of the hardest positions to transition from college to the nfl is really remarkable but then i'll go back to jordan love as well from jordan's standpoint there, there were multiple questions that were asked through the course of the season at different times remember back in training camp where everyone's like, well, I just don't see enough wow throws out of this guy. I just don't see any of the big spectacular... Well, he's making those wow throws and spectacular plays on the regular now. And then at the beginning of the season, it's like, well, I can see some of the flashes, but the the accuracy is not there. As you mentioned, he's like up over 70% uh, completion percentage over the second half of this season. And then there was the, well, he just has too many turnover-worthy plays. And again, as you mentioned, over this last half of the season, one interception during that time, every single question that's been asked of him, he has found a way to improve in real time and become that Almost complete quarterback right in front of our eyes, and it's really been remarkable to watch.
1: i want to preview the Dallas game here coming up, but I want to swing over to the defensive side. And, you know, it's not just the offense that has rookies. You mentioned Lucas Van Ness, who has put up more, you know, better numbers in his rookie season than Rashawn Gary did, also a first round pick, and Rashawn Gary's turned out pretty good. So the arc for Lucas Van Ness will be exciting to follow here in the coming years. But the other guy up front that's young, Carl Brooks. I, 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 it feels like every time he's on the field, something good happens for this Green Bay defense. He made a couple of big plays in Sunday's win over the Bears, and that's a sixth-round pick out of a Max school of bowling green who really from the preseason, Andy, Carl Brooks has been a guy that I've been keeping my eyes on because it feels like he's capable of doing something special every time he's on the field.
2: Yeah, one of the things I learned very on in like looking at draft prospects and scouting and all those sort of things was – that from a pass rush standpoint, sometimes one of the best things you can look at is not measurables, it's not their hands, it's not anything like that. It's just their propensity to get to the quarterback. And sometimes guys just have a hunter's mentality and know and can find a way to get there no matter what. It doesn't matter if the person ahead of them is bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, and, and I mean, that's going against them, I should say. Um, they just find a way to get into the backfield and make a play. And you go back, it was Carl Brooks at Bowling Green. And I know it's a lesser level of competition and those sort of things. They played him at nose tackle, they played him at edge, they played him at defensive tackle, defensive end, they played him everywhere and every single time, he found ways to get to the quarterback, and he's got a great move with his hands, he has a great swipe move, he's got a great first step, he's got a couple superpowers that are working for him that work against NFL offensive linemen, he's going to have to develop a little bit more of a repertoire as time goes on, he needs to continue to get better against the run, so instead of him being on the field 20 25 snaps a game, you can hopefully have him on the field 50 snaps a game, um, but overall, it's hard not to be super excited about where he is, where he's trending, and his value that he's bringing to the team. I mean, how many impact plays did he have this past week? He was three or four, and he's, again, still in that low snap count range. Um, the, the level of impact that he makes when he's on the field is super impressive, especially for a late day three draft pick.
1: Andy Herman, Packaday podcast. Our guest. I, I think a lot of us still are of the belief that there's a good chance Joe Barry is not the defensive coordinator of this team next season, unless they, you know, get on a heater here and and get to the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl, which I don't think any of us think is likely to happen. That being said, they they've stepped up the last couple of weeks, albeit against maybe a, you know a competition that was hampered for you know one reason or another, but they found a way. How do they find a way on Sunday against this Cowboys offense?
2: Yeah, it's going to be a lot more difficult. And I will give Joe Barry credit. These past two weeks have definitely been better. And, yes, it's been against lesser competition, but the defense that's allowed a lot of points, passing yards, and rushing yards to – teams with lesser competition all season long so it's still an improvement in some capacity I do think there's things that they can carry over I do think they're communicating a little bit better although we did see a couple miscommunications on some big completions this past week I think they're rallying to the football better I don't think they're getting out of their rush lanes as easily I think you go back to this Bears game specifically and you saw Justin Fields really contained within that pocket not having escape lanes and that led to five sacks on the day 10 tackles for loss total. The run defense against running backs especially has been better over the course of this past month. They're still giving up some plays and reverses and some quarterback stuff like we saw against Tommy DeVito, but the integrity there has definitely been better. So again, there's things that they can carry over into this game against Dallas. Dallas has a huge mismatch with CD lamb playing a ton in the slot. Green Bay is going to have to figure out an answer for that. And that's going to be a really difficult thing. Green Bay has also been really tough. Um, on defense when it comes to going against spread formations and spreading that Joe Barry defense out wide they've really had no answer for it all year Tampa Bay just exploited it all day I have a feeling Mike McCarthy's gonna watch that Tampa tape Know the weapons that he has on offense with a quarterback like Dak Prescott, and fall in love with that type of game plan. And Joe Barry's going to have, have to have a much better answer than he did, uh, rather than what they did against Tampa. So it's a it's a tough matchup, but they're going to have to figure out something to make sure that you know Green Bay's offense has a puncher's chance in this one.
1: On the side of the ball, it, it feels like you, the offense should be able to, to generate some yards and points. Will it be enough? Is a great question. But this feels like the kind of game the that offensively you almost want it if you can to have it play out like sunday where you have these a couple of six seven minute drives limited number of possessions you know keep that offense on the field if you can wear down their defense great but it feels like if you get into a shootout a 45 42 type game that that's the that's the exact type of game you're going to lose
2: yeah i think so too and i think the big question here for the offense is a what's your answer for michael parsons because I have a feeling that they're going to try to isolate Micah right over center on Josh Meyers with some obvious pass downs and see what they can generate that way, which is a, a nightmare matchup if you're Green Bay. Um, I think the other thing is how does this young offense respond in a playoff-type atmosphere against a super, super fast defense that's ultra-aggressive. Um, and, you know, they'll play, their, their linebackers are safeties. They're just that they have a ton of defensive backs all over the field. It's going to be paramount that Green Bay is able to run the ball against that lighter, faster Cowboys defense. If they can't, and like you said, it just becomes a shootout, that's going to make things a lot more challenging, especially with all that speed on the field. And then Dan Quinn is going to have his team as organized as anyone. This is a playoff type atmosphere, and how Green Bay's offense responds to that is going to be super key as well. But I, I'm with you, I think they can put up points. This, this is a quarterback who's playing at an extremely high level, who's playing with all the confidence in the world, feeling like he can make every single throw, and, and just knowing you know, basically anytime the ball leaves his hands, it feels like something good is going to happen. So I like Green Bay's opportunities and chances of putting up points in this game. But like we said, it just is a matter of can they put up enough.
1: Andy, win or lose, blowout close game, all that aside, how valuable is this? For the youngest team in the NFL to be able to go into this type of an environment, face a team like the Cowboys, unbeaten at home, they average 30-something a game at home, heavy favorites on Sunday. No matter how this plays out, this week leading up to this and the moment on Sunday, how valuable is this going forward for a young football team?
2: Immensely. To me, it's already a win. You get the extra week of practice with this young team, uh, you all, you get this playoff experience against, like I said, a super you know composed, smart Dallas defense and a, a Dallas team overall that is uh, battle tested in these playoffs and is going to be ready for Green Bay. They're going to get to see the speed of the playoffs, even if they you know get uh, you know blown out, whatever it might be. They're going to get to experience that. I think that's going to make this team hungrier moving forward. But not only just the experience this weekend. I think the three games that they just experienced already you know having those two losses against New York and Tampa knowing that your back's against the wall that you need three consecutive wins to have to go to the postseason and yes it's not exactly like they went through you know three of the top teams in the NFL to do it but just to go on that three game winning streak find three wins and to get into the playoffs I think that is something that is going to be a huge experience for them moving forward so it's it's, there's no downside here of course you want to go into Dallas you want to get the win you want to go to San Francisco the following week but uh, the the lessons that they're going to take away from this one way or the other are going to be invaluable for a young team.
1: I, I go back to even, I'll say, uh, I've been saying it for about a month, I, when they got to 6-6 six and six, they beat Kansas City, I said from here on in, this is house money because this is opportunity for these young guys to, uh, you, you just said, to get in this environment where you're playing relevant meaningful games down the stretch with a lot on the line and you can figure out how you know, what it takes to win in, in those situations and that going forward, I thought was going to mean a lot for this group. The fact they got it done makes it even better.
2: Yeah, and I feel like winning breeds winning, and when you start getting that taste of being able to go to the postseason and knowing what that feels like, it makes you want to get back there again. And sometimes when you get in the, the you know status quo of losing every season, if this was going to be back-to-back losing seasons, sometimes that can seep in and, and create some uh, negative experiences as well. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm a million percent on the same page. I think this is all positive for Green Bay. Even if something does not go right this weekend, I think they're going to be able to bounce back from it and be hungrier for it, learn from the experience. And I really think that they're going to go in and compete with this Dallas team, and I cannot wait for this game on
1: Sunday. 3.30 on AM 710. Andy's got daily podcast on YouTube. Also, get them wherever you get your podcast. the Pack-A-Day podcast. Andy, thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much, Bruce. Have a good one. Andy Herman, the Pack-A-Day podcast. Again, find them on YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your apps. Absolutely free Packers content every single day. Ten twenty eight. 28 UMV Women's Basketball Head Coach Mandy Pearson joins... As we roll on the Bruce Siskey Show, 610-103.9, KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. We'll talk Minnesota hockey next.
0: How much can you save when you shop Cub? Let's just say you might need a bigger cart. We've lowered prices so you save more. On Essential Every Day, it's easy to see the savings. Across the aisles, from pantry products, to frozen foods, to delicious dairy, and more. Your family will love it, guaranteed, or your money back. Shop Cub and save today. My Cub, my way. See store for details. Gopher star Jimmy Snuggerud scored a hat trick, and Minnesota skated past Colorado College last night 6-2. Head coach Bob Motzko spoke with Wally and Frank after the game. Coach, you had to like that third period of tonight's game, eh? I like a lot of things tonight. I <laughs> you know, broke it open. I, I didn't like the faceoff goal when, you know, in all of a sudden 3-1, we had a game again. Yeah. But, you know, the, the
1: second period is when we shut the game down. They, they had uh, one shot on goal for about the first 15 minutes, and then they had one little flurry and, and got a few more shots, but we made one little change on our forecheck, liked it, got back above pucks, and we just had a good feel about us tonight.
0: It's really easy to talk about Jimmy Snuggerud tonight, but not. (laughs) Just said, you know what, though? He's got to work on a shot. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, really? (laughs) Well, Coach, we were talking about it. he had a stretch in that first half there. We had three goals in in 12 games. I said, I thought he lost his shooting eye. They got it back. (laughs) (laughs) Only you would say that. I'm (laughs) 3-12, that's Uh, that's low for him. Uh, you, you
1: know, and he, he, he was on a little bit of a, a heater right before the break, and, and he gets open, he gets it on a stick, and, and that line had a good feel for him to, uh, tonight. Oh, he, he was good all weekend. Yeah. Five goals, so great, great for him. The 12th-rated Gophers are now 10-6-1 and will host Robert Morris this weekend. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm.
0: Take us with you on your mobile with the free KDAL radio app.
3: It's all I listen to.
1: 10.35, get to the news here in a second. Uh, from Northern News Now's Dan Wolf, a uh, uh, press conference with the Cloquet officials at the top of the hour on that uh, shooting last night in Cloquet, and they have not yet identified the shooter or the victims in that incident last night, uh, pending notification of their families, but they have said The alleged shooter, a 32-year-old from Ramsey, Minnesota, no word. uh, This is from uh, Dan Wolf uh, of Northern News Now. No word on motive or whether there was a connection between the shooter and the victims. Uh, Police and the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension still working to determine what led to the violence. Victims will be identified a certain number of hours after family notification that should happen by tomorrow morning. Colgate Police say a female clerk was the first gunshot victim in the hotel. Suspect then went outside and shot a man in his car. Uh, they'll have walk-in therapy service available to Cloquet residents who may need help in the wake of that deadly shooting. Northernnewsnow.com uh, covered that to press conference this morning, and they've got all the details on their website, northernnewsnow.com. We'll shift gears back to the fun stuff coming up. UMD women's basketball team back in action Saturday in St. Cloud. Haven't checked in the while with the head coach, Mandy Pearson. We will do that as we continue. On this Tuesday morning, 10.36, Bruce Sisky Show, sponsored by Sanju. Sanju Polaris, Sanju.com. In two harbors, where the cars are. 10.36, CBS News, next on KDAO. The Bruce
0: Sisky Show. Kidding me! God! You say
2: radon is silent but deadly, and then you expect me not to make farting noises with my mouth? What is this?
0: Sit down. You know what? We're not going to die of radon. We're going to die of boredom. Yeah. <laughs> on 610 and oh, FM right. 103.9, KDAO.
1: 1040. I'm out tomorrow. Dave, we'll have the best stuff for you. Back Thursday, UMV Men's Hockey associate coach Adam Krause, UMD Women's Hockey captain Manna McMahon. Friday, Colorado College hockey coach Chris Mayotte, UMV Men's Hockey junior Owen Gallatin. That's the guest list for the rest of the week. Joining us now, head coach of the UMV Women's Basketball team, Mandy Pearson. Good morning. Good morning. How are you?
3: i'm doing pretty well how are you
1: i got nothing to complain about how are the holidays
3: too fast They always go by way too quickly but it was good i actually took a couple days and did nothing in duluth and then spent about four or five days with
1: my family that's awesome days of doing nothing are highly underrated especially in the midst of a season like this
3: i know i feel like the older i get the more that i (laughs) more that i need them (laughs)
1: I, I, I'm with you 100% because I feel the exact same way. Uh, nine and four, it's been a while since we've spoken. Uh, your impressions on what you've seen from your team through 13 games, six and three so far in league play?
3: It's been fun. We we keep getting better. Um, you know, we had a little bit of a rough weekend, rough shooting weekend uh, this weekend against you, Mary, and Minot, but um, found some things that are I think will really help us improve and I mean that's all you know. We talk about it all the time, but that's always our goal: is to get better every day. And um, sometimes you have to struggle a little bit to learn some things too.
1: Uh, defensively, and I know that's the hallmark. Your your opponents are shooting about thirty eight percent, about twenty eight percent on threes. How do you feel about where your group is at right now defensively?
3: I think they're doing a really good job. I think the exciting part about where we are at is we're still making some mistakes. Which who gets excited about mistakes? But we're still making some which means that there's a lot of room for growth and we've seen just our team slowly improve throughout the course of the season but as soon as we um, fix some of those things I, I I think we have a lot of potential to uh, be even better on the defensive side of things.
1: Maybe excite is not the right word but don't coaches I, I mean you don't you don't want to see mistakes but but that's that's how you're you you coach your group to get better off the mistakes that they make right?
3: Yeah absolutely it's, you know, if every team that we played never made a shot, we would think we were pretty good. So it's <laughs> it's fun when teams actually do capitalize on the things that we're doing wrong so we can get better at
1: it. Uh, how do you feel about your, your starting group? I mean, you must feel decent because you've had the same starting group knock on wood for all 13 games so far.
3: I'm knocking on wood right now. <laughs> um, yeah, they're they're doing awesome. You know, the fun part about every year is the new season, um, especially when you graduate a lot you basically have a blank sheet of paper and you're trying to figure out who you are as a team and we've seen um, you know every weekend it seems like somebody else is stepping up and when we put everybody all together and and having their best games i think that um, we could be a really tough offensive team,
1: too. As you got on that run last year to the National Championship game, we talked about you know the the, the development we were seeing from Taya Hakamaki and, and Ella Gilbertson. They've continued here this year. They've started all 13 games. But Madeline Granica and Lexi Karge are two players that we haven't talked a whole lot about who've also started all 13 games. What have you seen from them so far this year as their roles have really changed?
3: And their roles have changed significantly, you know, and it's taken Lexi a little bit of time to get used to it because, you know, last year there wasn't very much pressure on her. So I think she was starting to feel that at the beginning of the year. I mean, if you're, you know, quote unquote replacing Brookles, and I'm sure you feel an immaculate amount of pressure and um you could see her thinking too much. And I thought this weekend was her best weekend of just she wasn't thinking, she was just playing. Uh, she was being aggressive and you're starting to see a little bit more of who she can actually be in. You know, with Madeline, Madeline's always been solid. Her role has just been less because of how many people she's had. Offensive role has just been you know, she hasn't been as aggressive. She wasn't getting the ball as much because of what what we had around her and you know, she's always kinda of had this in here in her. She's just she's a really strong, um And, you know, she's incredibly competitive, very smart. So she's doing a really good job this year.
1: Talking to UMD Women's Basketball Head Coach Mandy Pearson, how different is Tatum Rhodes than Mason Thiessen was in kind of that same role last year?
3: You know, they're very different players, but the fun part about both Tatum and Mason is their their IQ is really high. And so I've really enjoyed, you know, Tatum kind of took a little bit of a backseat when it came to leadership last year. Just because Mason did the majority of the communicating, but she is really stepping it up. She's, you know, talking more to me in games. She's making more suggestions, great suggestions, actually. And so it's been really fun to just watch her mature and grow in that area. And she's she's really smart.
1: We had Tatum on the radio show before. Sorry, we had Tatum on the radio show before Christmas. And she talked about what it's meant to have Mason still around on, on the coaching staff. What's that meant for you?
3: Oh, I love it. I love it. That She's gold. She is, you know, one, her work ethic is incredible. Her IQ is really good, too. Um, but she's just nice, and she just, you know, makes everybody around her better. So it's been fun. I, I don't know about how much fun it is for her, but she gets to know me in a completely different, you know, in a completely different role. So that's been pretty fun to, you know, I, I think I said it to the, the to her the other day, like she probably thought that I was like super sophisticated and had it all together, and now she gets to see me like spill coffee everywhere and act like an idiot. So enjoyable from that standpoint,
1: too. Every player at some point has that that moment where they're no longer playing the game, and and if they move on to coaching, they make that transition to coaching. How how do you feel from from your seat, how do you feel she's made that transition from playing to coaching? Because it's not easy for everybody.
3: No, I think it was really hard for her because she liked games so much. So under like trying to figure out how she could be impactful for a program, I think, is was her challenge because she just loves to be on the floor. Um, but I think um, she has such a good relationship with our players that it was really easy because they just had so much respect for her immediately. You know, she went into that role, and it was like a no-brainer. If she says something, they're going to listen. I just wish she'd speak up a little bit more. You know, I've had that conversation with her, and she she's a little bit cautious because she doesn't want to make people feel like you know she thinks she knows more than them and i think some of them are looking for her to give them more feedback so she's she's growing and learning
1: too couple more for mandy pearson umd women's basketball head coach this league just it it never gets easier my goodness i'm looking at the standings and there's you know there's eight teams out of 15 that have three or fewer losses in league play you're (laughs) one of them that that's ridiculous You you, you don't get a layup in this conference
3: no, I wish you did. I say that all the time. I wish I just could walk out the court knowing that we are going to win by 30, but I've never felt like that. So it's, I don't know, I guess it's a good thing because I am preparing the same way for every team that we play regardless of their standings in the league because, I mean, all the coaches are good and every single team has great players. Sometimes the, the biggest difference between uh, like the top team, then, you know, the middle of the pack is going to be depth or just mistakes that teams make.
1: You get St. Cloud State coming up on Saturday afternoon at Hallenbeck Hall at 3 o'clock. First matchup of the year, first of two against the Huskies, a longtime nemesis of the Bulldogs in multiple sports. What do you know about this St. Cloud State group that, you know, they're right there a game and a half behind you in the league standings? I I know they'd love to get a little closer on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I mean, every time we play St. Cloud, it's a bloodbath. They, they play really hard on defense, um, very similar, um, I think, a very similar defensive system, except they're going to put more pressure on us and we love them. And uh, they're well coached. They play hard. They rebound. So they're scary. I mean, every team's scary. But um, we need to be ready to go. They've been a little bit more inconsistent than we've seen in the past, but that doesn't mean much because Lori Fish
1: usually gets them going. And this is a tough three-game road stretch for you because you got Moorhead and Northern, which is, a, you know, on top of being a really difficult road trip, those are two really difficult opponents next weekend. So, you know, you you be on your toes here for three big games in a row on the road.
3: Yeah, but that's good because we've got to figure out how to be consistent when we're on the road. So I think it'll be a good challenge for us at this point in the season, Um, you know, I think we we need to learn to love learn to fall in love with road trips again because that's and uh where we've had some of our losses is that, that second game on the road. So we've got to figure that out.
1: Three o'clock Saturday from Hallenbeck Hall in Saint Cloud, Bulldogs and Saint Cloud State Huskies. Appreciate the time and best of luck this weekend and next week on the on the road. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Mandy Pearson, head coach, UMD women's basketball team, 3 o'clock on Saturday against St. Cloud State. The next Friday in Moorhead, next Saturday at Northern State, Moorhead to Aberdeen, and then back home. That is a a difficult road trip every single year for these basketball teams. Uh, Next home games for the Bulldog basketball teams, by the way, January 26th and 27th. 5.30 doubleheader on Friday the 26th against Minnesota Crookston. And then a a 3.30 doubleheader on the 27th against Bemidji State. As always, Bulldog tickets can be had by going to umdbulldogs.com. 10.50. Brought to you by Sanju, SanjuPolaris, Sanju.com, where the cars are. Ryan Phelps, prep update standing by. And then we'll wrap things up on a Tuesday morning. Bruce Siski show 610 and 103.9 KDAL.
0: KDAL, that's pretty much my news. Streaming live on the KDAL mobile app. All
1: right, I'll be out tomorrow. 1059, by the way, clouds outside. Uh, I'll be out tomorrow. Dave will have a best of for you. Be a lot of Wednesdays that that's the case here. Pretty much till the end of the hockey season. Back Thursday with UMD Men's Hockey. Associate coach Adam Krause also will hear from the captain of the UMD Women's Hockey team, Man McMahon, as both Bulldog teams return to their respective conference action this weekend at home. That'll do it. Brad's up next. Have a great Tuesday. Thanks for listening.
0: This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No. Yes. No. Well.